I know I probably should be saving a conversation like this for after the podcast, but I think it's important that people hear the conversations we're having surrounding the show. I think we should take a break from each other, like see other podcasters, you know, explore. I wonder different how avenues. many podcasts have opened with this joke before. <laughs> <laughs> I've yet to hear one. <laughs> Oh, I was... if we, the opening's always the same. It's always you making a joke and then me being really disapproving of the thing. <laughs> it's the classic. It's got the fans want. It's not Seb's classic, though, uh, which true. is coming later on in the podcast. <laughs> exactly. After that, everyone's favourite. Quivia. <laughs> I think we should be the need open. a jingle. A jingle for every yeah, single for thing. Every segment. You're asking me to do more work. Like, you I'll write. make the jingles. Then. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I'll you, make the you're, jingles. You're, you're techie. You can make some digital tracks. I'll <laughs> make the jingles. Seb's classic. <laughs> Seb's classics. <laughs> I'll make the jingles. You eat the Pringles, all right? Let's go. Let's Sounds go. good to me. Our sponsor? No. <laughs> anyway, guys, welcome. I do think we should be in an open podcast relationship, though. I think that would really help our friendship. <laughs> welcome. What? I'm good. I'm good with the. Just, just you. Just the one. Fair yeah. enough. Hey. One you all to myself. <laughs> I feel so honored. Welcome to Dylan Sebastian. I'm a Simpsons podcast. The podcast of myself and Sebastian here do to learn something new every week. Yeah, and so, I do. Yeah, I'm not sure if I do. Even, <laughs> even like we, we, we don't even like just learn about the Simpsons. We learn a lot of things by ourselves. Like random conversations about the world surrounding us. Yeah. Yeah, it's lots of crazy, fun stuff. Let's get into it. Today we're reviewing An Octopus and a Teacher. It is the 33rd, no it's not, the 33rd episode. It's the 18th episode of the 33rd season. <laughs> Let's just jump into it. So we open up on a little, uh, no couch gag or anything, just straight in. A little text just saying, my uh, cephalopod soulmate. It's a little documentary Lisa made. She's narrating that because of getting a D in gym, due to refusing to handle a non-vegan football... She was searching for extra credit and found it in a future documentarian society. Immediately, for people who don't know, it's a it's a reference and a parody of My Octopus Teacher, which isn't going to be my recommendation of the week, but just because the episode is referencing it. Yeah. Amazing documentary. <clears throat> Sensational. Have you seen it? See, I haven't. I no. always saw it on Netflix and thought... That looks cool, but I'm not in the mood for it. And yeah, I, I mean, it. yeah. I think documentaries full of stuff are something you have to be in a particular mood for because they're serious and they're based on real life, so it's not really... It's not it's not escapism, you know? Yeah. But it's so good. I mean, it won the do- it won the Oscar for Best Documentary, so it, enough, it, it like, doesn't I'm need a plug. usually more in the mood for a documentary than anything else. Really? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Like, for me, I sometimes, yeah, but like a fun documentary. Like I, well, I watched Netflix documentary on Funko recently. Just a very fun, like... You know, there's nothing serious about it. It's just the history of Funko Pop figures. <laughs> Very enjoyable. But this one is serious. And um, it, it's really beautiful. But this this guy just following around this octopus. And he kind of like falls in love with it. Not in a sexual way. He just becomes obsessed with this creature. And it, it, it's really beautiful. But that is what the episode is referencing. So she, she goes on to say that she knew two things going into making this documentary. That she would make a captivating film. And lunch would not be provided. And again, <laughs> Simpsons... Doing a very current reference. I mean, yeah, yeah. This is literally yeah. only the second <clears throat> last documentary to have won an Oscar. What won the last one? Ah, oh, I forget the name of it. It was the one the Quest Love directed. It's about a music festival. Oh, what's it called? Sa- Sound of Sound of Soul. Oh, Something yeah. Something like that. that. It's the one that Chris Rock presented. Yeah. You know what I mean? Before the slap happened. So all of their credit kind of got stolen. It's so awkward when you see the interview. They always do like a press thing after winning the Oscar. And Quest loves being interviewed and immediately everyone is asking about the Will Smith thing and he's like I don't want to talk about that 
<laughs> but yeah, so she she discovers it, we're watching like found footage basically. She discovers a squid that she becomes captivated by in in the squid's free spirit and effortless abilities to escape his predators, such as sharks. And we just cut out to like her editing it and Marge sees the shark and she's like, Ah shark And Lisa's just like, Mom, I was like, I'm sorry, I just didn't Expect to see one. Let me check your hands. And she's like, they're fine. Sharks, they're, they're small sharks. They can't hurt us. And she's like, I don't like you hanging around uh, sharks. You should get land friends. She's like, noted. It's <laughs> just, I don't know why. It just annoyed me that bit. Really? I, just, I thought it was funny. I was like, just go away, Mark. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. I, I guess we're supposed to be annoyed because she's disturbing Lisa's documentary. Fuck off, Mom. <laughs> yeah, sure. Maybe it's a little teen rebellion in you. Like, go yeah. away, Mom. You're annoying. They made my documentary. We didn't cut to uh, Skinner and Chalmers interviewing a new teacher. This was uh, a good scene. Oh, this fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just to jump before we jump into it, we're introduced to uh, Rachel Payton, who is voiced by Kerry Washington. Uh, brilliantly, and mm. will go on presumably to replace Edna Krabappel in the mm. role that has been. There's been a gap in the show yeah, for ages. She, uh, I think she fits in. I I, I, I mean, we'll get into it. But I love this character. I, I think, think this, she this is the best way to introduce. Absolutely, well, yeah. I love the character. I think she does an amazing job voicing her, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. But yes, yeah, Skinner and Chalmers are interviewing her. She's saying, "Oh, my husband was hired by the Springfield Symphony Orchestra. He's an oboist. He's not." Great, but that that was unsupportive. He's good. Oboe is hard. It goes on to say that for two years she taught in Ghana, which was great for her, but not for her husband. And Chalmers is like, doesn't doesn't Ghana have an orchestra? She's like, they, they do, but you have to be really good to play. Not that Springfield isn't good. It's a fine regional orchestra, and my husband fits right in. And then Skinner is like, excuse us a moment. And they go into a really tight closet. And you just hear them talking and they're both like, yes. And Chalmers is like, finally, a teacher with qualifications. And Skinner is like, and since her husband's a bad oboist, she's stuck here. You hear them high-fiving. And they come out and Skinner is like, now, obviously, we're meeting other applicants. And she's like, oh, as am I. And then Chalmers is immediately like, oh, you're hired. Takes money off his wallet. And it's like, and here is a $93 signing bonus. And you could have his parking spot. is like, I'll park at the yogurt place. They know me there. <laughs> yeah, great. I mean, I love Skitter and Trauma so much. You can tell like, the writers always have so much yeah, fun writing them together. Favorite, One yeah. of their favorites, for sure. Their, their dynamic is just brilliant. It is, yeah. I know this never, ever gets boring. It's... It really doesn't. They've <clears throat> consistently found new and fresh ways. It's definitely one that's grown, grown on me over time. Absolutely. It's definitely I... one I've like learned to understand and got more funny as i got older absolutely I, I think their sense of humor it's quite dry like they're they're dynamic and stuff so it is something you'd appreciate more at an older age like you know when you're young you, you like you like like bart skateboarding and stuff like that you're not really gonna be paying attention to the very intellectual dialogue that happens between skinner and genres they then come out they come out of the of skinner's office and skinner introduces her to nelson and millhouse and bart sees her and really immediately recognizes her and like hides behind the locker Skinner's like, oh, who's that hiding behind the locker? And then Bart comes out, and he's immediately acting very weird, and we, we don't know why. He's like, yo, it's just me, Bart, 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 Bart. <laughs> Starts laughing and uh, walks away, and Peyton's like, you look familiar. Have we? Like, no, no, you're a stranger. Stranger, alert, self-destruct, self-destruct. And he just runs away. <laughs> and Milhouse is like, hey, excuse Bart, he had Skittles and milk for breakfast. <laughs> just goes, I told him he couldn't handle the rainbow. <laughs> we then 
<laughs> so good. We just cut to a screening of Lisa's documentary. We, we see a bit, a bit more of the documentary. She's like rooting for the, the squid to escape the shark, but it, it became too fierce and she wanted to interfere, but it's a documentarian oath not to, not to interfere. It's even on their t-shirt. And she merely watched in horror and... As, as the squid was being eaten by, eaten by the shark, she watched in horror and focused in on the shark. <laughs> and she, it, it concludes with her just going, but I knew she would always be my cephalopod soulmate. She just like sheds a single tear and the documentary ends. She gets a standing ovation. And then cut to them going home. We see that Lisa's won an award for most ethical documentarian. And Homer's like, oh, poor Octopus. <laughs> he says it, it really makes you see the humanity beneath the basher and the marinara sauce. And you... <laughs> just like, Homer. He's like, oh, excuse me. He turns around and he's like, mm, Lisa's friend. <laughs> and Lisa's like, I need to go upstairs. She's feeling blue because of the octopus passing away. She, she runs upstairs immediately. She's not upset anymore. And Roland's kind of like, what, what, what the fuck? And she runs inside and she's really happy with the trophy. She takes out a jar and we see that the octopus, who she now named Molly, is still alive. And we get a little footage that she didn't show in the documentary that before the shark goes to attack, Lisa just jumps in and like, kicks it away. And she's feeling kind of bad for being so insincere. But then Molly turns around the trophy, putting like away the most ethical title. And she's like, oh, much better. We then cut to Peyton standing outside of a room. And she's nervous. And he's like, okay, they will taunt you. But it's just because they have miserable home lives. We obviously think she's going to walk is, um, into the classroom. Quite a, this is quite a nice, like, sort of actual... I'm glad they're not trying to find someone similar. Oh, they, it was perfect. They found someone who's actually sort of the opposite. It, yeah. Pretty much complete opposite because Edna's whole thing was firstly she was aggressive yeah. and confident and like you know <clears> didn't <throat> give a shit what people thought of her and wasn't a very good teacher. So this is the exact opposite. I mean, Peyton is insecure. She actually is a good teacher, which I thought was a cool yeah. dynamic because they've never had a good teacher. They've never. That's oh. always been the kind of bit that they're all terrible. So it's kind of good to have someone who's actually a good teacher. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a totally different dynamic. And that's what makes it work. It's like if you're going to bring back. The whole thing of, you know, Bart being in class and having a teacher and stuff like that. Let's switch it up. But yeah. there's no point having a new voice actor basically playing the same character, you know? No, I love it. But you think she's going to enter into the classroom. She's actually entering into the teacher's lounge. And uh, she comes in saying it's her first day and she needs to be filled in on all the inside jokes. And one of the gym ladies is like, uh, I have a ruptured disc, but I, I can't afford to stay home. She's like, oh, that's great. I can't wait to hear that story. She's like, what? And she tells them all about project-based learning, where you basically teach kids by getting them to build dioramas. And none of them are, like, interested in what she's talking about. And Largo, the music teacher, is like, look, either tell us where all this is coming from or dial it down a notch. And she tells him about learning plans and she like takes out books, handing them out to all of them. And then immediately wins all their affections over. And Hoover's like, you mean I basically don't have to teach them anything myself? And then they all like her. And then cut her in the classroom. She gets all the students to draw how they see themselves. And we see Martin is drawing himself in a globe being held. And uh, she's like in her head. She's like, ah, the classic obsessive compulsive. He's like drawing really furiously. And she's like, this isn't great, as you know. And he starts drawing even faster. She's like, I, I mean, A+. Plus. And he's like, just relieved he sighs. She goes over to Nelson. One of my favorite lines of the episode. Oh, uh, this is me beating up Santa until he's my dad. Ah, okay. Violent. But he cares about holidays and family. 
I can work with this. She goes over to Barrett, who's destroying his page with glue, and she asks how that's fitting into his representation of himself. And he's like, oh, because I always have glue on my face. She's like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah. He like, sticks the page in his face. He's like, I am glue boy. <laughs> I have, um, I've been asleep for a thousand years. He trips over. He's like, oh, that didn't hurt at all. You can see his nose is bleeding through the page. And he's like, take me to your principal. In her head, she's like, what is with this kid? And then cut to outside the school. Nelson and Milhouse are confronting Bart, saying, Milhouse is like, you know, I, I know it's not Sidekick's job to interfere, but I'm worried about you. Your, your game has been off recently. And Nelson is like, we can't laugh at your clowning if we're concerned. Milhouse is like, what are you doing to Miss Peyton? Like, she's really nice. And Bart is out being like, I don't know why I do things. I don't know why I'm yelling. I only realized, like, this what kind of watching this episode. This is the first time in a while that we've had, like, a proper Bart-focused one. Yeah. And it was really nice to have it. Because I was thinking about ones that you'd think are Bart-focused. Like, like we for this season, anyway. Like, you'd have, like, Bart's in jail, uh, Boys in the Highland, and what was the other one? Bart the Cool Kid. But all of them actually ended up switching over to somebody else. Yeah. Like, Bart's in jail was Grandpa. Boys in the Highland was Martin. This is very Bart the Cool Kid yeah. was Homer. So... I think this was the first time in a while this is a proper Bart episode and it was just really nice to see I I, I didn't realise until I was watching I was like oh I really missed like, a proper Bart it's episode it's actually been a while yeah it really has yeah. yeah it really has and I thought Nancy Carver did a sensational job in this episode just like capturing all of his different mood swings and just how weird he was being we see such a different side to him in this episode but, but, but the, the, yeah he lashes out at, at, at Nelson and Milhouse and Nelson goes I'm not gonna noogie you but I hope you can find a decency to noogie yourself we then cut to Lisa brushing her teeth with Molly beside her. And Molly goes into the sink and she's like, no, no, don't do that. She like rushes downstairs to the kitchen. She checks the sink, but there's no luck. She then sees Homer opening up a box of Crustios and he's like looking for a toy. He's like, there should be a crazy Krusty toy in here. He takes out a ball. It's clearly Molly like wrapped up in a ball. He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> uh, Lisa grabs it and uh, she sees that Molly's inked. And looks over and sees Homer eating the cereal and his face is covered in ink. <laughs> and Lisa's like, you shouldn't eat that. I was like, oh, why not? I was like, uh, uh, no reason. I'm, I'm going to go look up uh, toxicology. <laughs> I was like, oh, kids love Googly things. <laughs> That's a great, like, classic Homer. Just, yeah. <laughs> Iconic classic Homer. Yeah, he's eating a bowl of cereal that has ink in it. Isn't taking any notice. Just loving it. <laughs> we uh, then cut to Barrett making a diorama. And he's fascinated by how using a carving knife makes the styrofoam look like stone. Then he's annoyed he's enjoying this and he sees a vision of Peyton floating in like a pink dress. He snaps out of it. So again, we still don't know what's going on. We don't know how he knows her or anything. We didn't cut to the classroom. Peyton says the projects are, are due soon and she's like, you know, your parents will judge your success on me. So no pressure. Well, little pressure. A pressure makes diamonds. She then sees Milhouse's diorama and compliments it. She spots that he did the same thing with the carving knife. And Bart gets really jealous, and he he's he he breaks his own project, and she's like, "Why did you do that?" It's like, I, "I didn't mean to do that. I meant to do this." And then breaks Millhouse's. Millhouse is like, "I I, I lost fingernails gluing that. We we had to go to urgent care. I I saw a drug addict." We then cut back to uh, Lisa. She makes like a, a squid-proof lock that can't be put on a latch. You it, it looks like there's no way the squid can get away now, but then she somehow escapes. And Sucker For You starts playing my least favorite part of the episode without a doubt. Yeah. Perfectly no <laughs> issue with the montage. I just found it pretty cringe they put in a freaking Jonas Brothers song into it. Was it Jonas Brothers or is it Joe Jonas on his own? 
I um, think it's the Jonas Brothers. Is, yeah, I'm a sucker for it's you. Random. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fine song. Maybe Disney had a part to play in that. It, probably, it's yeah. It's just like, yeah, it didn't fit. It's not really the Simpsons. No, the Simpsons not at all. Like or anyone likes really that kind of music. Yeah. Like no, not at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I got okay, so I'm a sucker for you. The, the octopus scissors are, 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 I get that, but. Yeah, it just didn't feel right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the montage. I just felt weird hearing a Jonas Brothers song in The Simpsons. But throughout the montage, uh, she's trying to, uh, she runs into like Maggie's room, and Molly is like blending in with the Maggie's toys, so Lisa doesn't see her. Runs downstairs to the sitting room, and she's like hiding in like the boat painting. I thought that was the most clever one. Then runs upstairs again, checks her saxophone, she's hiding inside there. She grabs her, puts her inside the trap, and locks it up again. But then like Molly like turns the light off, so it's clear that she's still able to escape. Mm-hmm. We then cut to Peyton talking to Homer and Marge. She says that Bart has been in a, in a very exciting challenge. And immediately you're both like, oh, okay, you don't have to pretend. It's like, yeah, what do you do? <laughs> and she says that, that she's tried everything. She's tried puppy stickers, nagging, no recess, nothing but recess, breakfast clubbing, but can't get through to him. And Marge is like, I always knew he had problems, but now it looks like they're turning into, and starts crying, like, issues. And she says she'll figure it out. She just needs them to fill out this form. And Marge looks at it and is like, why do you need to know how long I was in labor with him? And she takes a note being like, oh, so that question bothers you. Like, no, no, it doesn't bother me. She fills it out. We then cut to Homer. My fair scene in the episode. Homer <laughs> approaching Barrett trying to <laughs> trying to handle the situation. It's actually, I thought it was so perfect. Homer is still goofy and silly dad in this scene. But he also does a good job. It, it, it felt like yeah. a good mix. Like, he's being a good dad, but he's still the flawed, warped Homer, yeah. you know? Which is what we want. Yeah, Homer. yeah, absolutely. He, he approaches Barrett saying that... Hey, buddy. I think I know why you've been such an unlikable jerk lately. Someone has a little crush on their teacher. Someone has a big crush on being wrong. And Homer says, okay, I guess you don't want my expert crush advice. He says that when he was younger, he had a crush on a nurse, so he, he would purposely injure himself so he would so he could visit her. He would fall off the monkey bars. He'd hit his head against the wall that he passed out. He'd fall off the monkey bars. <laughs> and then Barrett's like, here's my problem. My dad's an idiot. And, and then he's just like, taught me, boy. He's like, okay, I've met her before. And Homer's like, so? I've met lots of people. Maggie, Lisa, uh, you. And like, I'm opening up. Like, oh, oh, continue. So we get a bit, a bit of backstory. He reveals that when he was with Lisa making her documentary, it's a small detail, but I like that they connected the two plot lines yeah, there, yeah. that this happened while Lisa <clears throat> was making her documentary. That's something that rarely ever happens in the show. I thought it was a cool, small little way to connect them. While she was making the documentary, Bart found on a beach like goggles in a bucket that's away from to get into the vip swimming pool in the hotel nearby so he goes in he's like eating like curly fries and a chocolate fudge sundae that's provided for the guests and he goes for a swim because of all the food he immediately starts drowning and uh so then we we then see like peyton coming in in the dress that we saw in bart's vision earlier and she grabs him takes him out and saves him and uh bart's immediately grateful until he sees like people all around him making comments like oh he can't swim and stuff like that and then Barrett looks back to her and goes like why did you do that I, I can swim just fine I'm a great swimmer and he runs away we didn't cut out and he's, he's back talking to Homer and he's like I, I feel bad like she hasn't recognized me yet but doesn't I, I, I don't know what to do when she does and Homer's like well why don't you just tell her and he's like oh yeah that's great then she won't have anything on me it's like you actually helped for once 
And again, one of my favorite bits of the whole episode where he's going, I know, I think I'm ready to become a dad. I'm going to tell my wife. Yes. <laughs> he runs away. <laughs> it did feel awfully like convenient, though. All he had right. to say was that, and Bart was like, yep. Cool. Yeah, no, that's true. But then it, what we think is solving the problem immediately doesn't help the problem, yeah. as we've seen in this very next scene. Is he... Oh, before that, we have, have another bit of the side story. He sends a little helper, goes for a drink of water, uh, but it gets squirted immediately and we see that Molly's in the bowl obviously and he starts growling at her and Lisa realises takes Molly away and realises that this house isn't a safe place to keep her we then cut to Bart going to apologise to Peyton but he, he looks in and sees that her husband is there and uh, gives her a kiss and uh, Bart's like huh she has a husband he then tears a nearby uh, water fountain apart and he's like huh maybe I do have a, a tiny crush on her I like that reveal. I didn't expect it. I, I did not think he had a crush. Yeah, it was like a, a it was yeah, a little sort of twist because it was yeah. like we thought he did, then we found out he didn't, and then oh no, he he does. Yeah, and yeah. even like when Homer said like oh you clearly have a crush, he was like oh you clearly have a crush on being wrong. It sounded like he was being sincere. It didn't sound like he was denying it. But, oh, he actually it does have a crush. He was being defensive. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. that's exactly what it was. Yeah, but, but yeah. I I believed him in that defensiveness. Yeah, same. Yeah, we then cut to the project assembly. Uh, and, and Barry again tells Homer that uh, he, he clearly does have a crush on her and asks for his expert crush advice and Homer goes she's an adult you're a kid get over it <laughs> he's like that's it that's not advice that's just true and again actually good advice he goes look there's some great things in life that you can't have uh, there's plenty of fish in the sea and Lisa I liked it it was like Homer was helping both of the situations mm-hmm. not, not meaning to but Lisa overhears this and she's like ah oh, he's right I'm going to set you free to eat some of those fish. Then Bart's like to Homer, like, I don't know what to do with my anger. And Homer's like, take it out on inanimate objects. Like, I've, I've punched sofas, torn up phoenixes, and even screamed in the, in the Pringles canisters. I have absolutely done, the, done that one. <laughs> and he just goes, boom, parenting is easy. <laughs> we then uh, Bart sees Peyton's husband again. And like you know, k- k- kissing him again, and uh, he he then goes to play the oboe in front of the whole school, and we can hear that he's terrible. But Bart isn't taking any notice, and he's like, "Oh, sorry." We we hear Peyton going, <laughs> "I get to hear that every day." But then Bart goes, "Oh, he's in the band. I can't compete with that. I got I got to yell into something." And he like tries to find something that he can yell into. He finds the jar containing Molly, and he yells into that, and he gets attacked by Molly, and this causes. He gets stabbed by Molly and this causes like the seat assembly where all the all the parents are sitting to start spiraling out of control and then like all the adults fall off and fall on top of the projects and just destroying it. Molly or sorry, Lisa eventually tears Molly off part. We didn't cut to them cleaning everything up and like Peyton's clearly leaving and Skinner's like begging her not to quit over one kid. He's like, Oh, you know, you can you can switch classes. Miss Hoover could teach Bart. Miss Hoover's like, No way. I had him two years ago. My hair fell out in clumps. I'm not taking him. No way. I'd rather go back to prison. We then cut to the classroom. Bart goes in to apologize to Peyton. And um, saying that he probably... She probably won't believe him. But while he's saying this, we, we can't see the front of Bart's face. She's like, you, you, you probably won't believe me. But I had an octopus on my head and all of that happened. And she says she does believe him as he's an, clearly an honest man. And also he has octopus prints all over his face. And mm-hmm. he, he does. <laughs> He then like grabs her like her her water vase and like or her, her her flower vase and pours the water in on top of him, and she's like, "Haven't you caused enough trouble today?" It puts goggles over his face to show how he looked like when she saved him, and she goes, 
Oh, you're Angry Drowning Boy. Sorry, that's what I call you in my head. He admits to her that he did need saving that day. And she's very sweet being like, I'm so sorry that, that I embarrassed you that day. He admits he did need saving and thanks her. And then admits to having a crush on her. And I, I thought the way he did it was so cute, but also so realistic. It's like He like put his, his t-shirt over his head and it was like, I have a crush on yeah, you. At that age, you probably would do something. That's absolutely like that, yeah. the way you would do it. Like, yeah, this is probably of the more recent episodes that we've done this podcast, I think this is the most he's really, really been a 10-year-old. Like, having these mood swings and, yeah. you know, conflicted feelings about his teacher and stuff like that. I, I thought they did a great job just making him feel like a 10-year-old in this episode. And then Peyton goes, you know, a crush on a teacher means you're coming to love a new part of yourself that I'm bringing out in you. And I don't know, it's a nice line. It's probably true because, I, mean, I don't know if he can rate it, but I'm sure growing, many people can. It, yeah, it's growing up. It's like you're finding women attractive yeah right? exactly yeah yeah and it, i don't know it kind of makes sense that like someone of authority will become someone that you would gain a crush on i don't know do you ever have a crush on a teacher oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah i've uh, many really <laughs> many um say like yeah four, i just had one four or five yeah i just had one <laughs> just i had one major one i had others that i like you know fancy uh, you, you must have a lot of good looking teachers at your school Honestly, I mean, none of my teachers listen to the podcast. It doesn't really matter. The secondary school I went to had a load of, like, either, like, single moms or just... And they were all, like, in their, like, mid to... Early to mid-30s. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know why. Because most of the other schools, like, around my town, they'd be very old teachers. But for some reason, my school seemed to be a place where younger teachers got to go in and, like, you know, be, be a full-time teacher for the first time ever. Oh, you know what okay. I mean? But, um... Yeah, yeah. The second school I went to had a lot of attractive teachers, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, ha- had many a crush. So I thought this line was sweet. But I also yeah related to it. Like it, it, it you start to see a, a part of yourself and you like it. But then Barrett asks her if she's packing up, but she says that she's staying because teachers teach the good, the bad, and the nightmares. And then she's like, "Well, not 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 you're a nightmare. You're just difficult." And Bart's like, my last teacher had a good way of dealing with it. She's like, oh, really? And we got to Bart doing a classic chalkboard of just him writing yeah. down, I will not express feelings towards my teacher. And I thought that was a really nice way of addressing <coughs> Edna without it being too much about her. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just a, a little thing at it the end. subtle, yeah. Yeah, a little thing at the end of him just being like, you know, oh, my, my teacher, my last teacher had a good way of dealing with me being a brat. And she's like, oh, really? And that, that kind of connects it in a way that isn't, you know, taking the focus away from Peyton. I, yeah. I thought it was really nice. And we get our final little tag of just Lisa setting Molly free <laughs> in, into the ocean. And we see a shark immediately going to attack her and she grabs a shark and flings it away. And we see a, a nearby documentarian like looking at her and judging her. And she's like, what? what? I'm part of nature too. And that concludes the episode. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, as always, you go um, first. I just really like that they really did something it. new. Yeah. Like, this whole... The way they did this story was so different. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. It wasn't even, like, experimental. It was just, like, yeah. not a way they've ever told a story that I can remember. Yeah. Um, And it was really good. They, mm-hmm. they, they nailed it, I think. Like, I didn't think it was a funny episode. There weren't many funny moments. But yeah, I could appreciate was. it was more of... Um, character like a, driven yeah, character focus yeah. this episode mm. but there's still some funny moments uh, Homer as usual ah uh, yeah and... always the highlight yeah <laughs> but that's what I loved is that what you said about it being like heartfelt and um, yeah. well written episodes that Homer as most episodes he's the most funny character but also he 
comes into the story in a really clever, well-written way well, that he's giving good advice. And I'm learning. I love this. I'm learning to appreciate the episodes because they're different. I like having a, a gag heavy episode and then a yeah, you know, you know, it's nice to get a mix where you have one that is like there's yeah. not really any heart. It's just joke after joke after joke. I love those two. And it's nice to have ones like this where there is a lot of heart and a lot of character building and. Yeah, like you said, you see a very different side to, I would say, Barton sort of Lisa, but a different side to both of them. Oh, sorry, continue. No, yeah, and um, I just really appreciate, they did something new, they nailed it, mm-hmm. um, and I think if they For keep sure. doing things like this, there's no reason why it's going to get worse. No, no, um, I agree. I think, I'm just, I'm glad this is like, the episodes I've liked from the series have usually been ones that maybe rely a bit on the classic elements yeah this is an episode that is completely new and i think is really strong and promising yeah um so what did i rate the last one i what the pretty sure you gave really a 7.5 i remember you gave that 7.5 i remember you gave the longest margin eight this is an eight then yeah an eight yeah, cool yeah eight. yeah i that's exactly what i rated it too yeah we we, we met up this week nice. uh I would just piggyback what you just said about the classic, not as much classic elements, but it does something really different that works. I think it does have some kind of classic elements too, but it does something really different with those classic elements. Because right. we've had plenty of school-focused <clears throat> episodes that yeah, are very true. focused on the kids' conflict in school. And I like that both of these side stories connected in that way, in that they were both the kids doing something in school that, you know, that they become conflicted with, obviously, because you have the conflict in the story. Um... But in, in in that you know there, there are literally hundreds of school focused episodes, but of course, but this one isn't like any of them. No, but it doesn't. It's not ambitious in its in, it's in the way contained. that it's different. Yeah, yeah, it's very like you said, character driven. Nothing crazy happens in it. Like when you look at the more ambitious episodes in this season, like you know, Serious Landers, um, Epislated and Afraid, something like that. They're very broad crazy stories where so much is happening but this one like nothing really happens like we learn stuff about them and you know the biggest scenes in the episode is just like him talking to homer you know it's mm-hmm. so grounded you're, you're, you're right you're right yeah but i i, I really liked it but yeah so but to, to go into my notes i also gave it an 8 out of 10 like i said I, I said it was a wonderful very grounded episode it was nice to see one that wasn't trying to do anything too broad or have a message interwoven it's just a normal episode set in the school focusing on kids problems it was great to see Bart, a Bart focus episode again. The show has been dancing around the fourth grade classroom for a while, so it's nice to just be back there. My point being, they did have a thing for a moment where Ned was replacing Edna. They never really committed to that. Mm-hmm. I, I liked that idea, but they just never really committed to it. It was fine. Obviously, they decided to go against that now. And they just, for, for, I would say, close to a decade, we, we just didn't really... We'd see Bart in school and like assembly and stuff like that, but we wouldn't see him in the classroom. Because they didn't have Edna, so what could they do? Like, so it was just, just nice to see that classroom again. Yeah, you know. So it was yeah, and and that, that, with having Kerry Washington now voicing Peyton, we'll obviously be seeing more. So that, I, I'm happy about that. I, I I said just as a little bit of criticism. I said I will say that the reveal about how Barrett knew Peyton was a little bit underwhelming, but it did make sense as something a ten year old would blow out of proportion in their head. Yeah, you know, I was betting because it, it was building up like, oh, how does he know her? And when you find out, it's not really this crazy thing, but it does make sense that a ten-year-old would be so embarrassed by that. Of course, you know, oh, absolutely. Actually, yeah, I didn't even like think to really? mention that. Yeah, that's such a good point. Is when you're that age, that's something that would really embarrass you totally. to the point that in your head, 
you you you'd think it's such a big deal absolutely compared to what it actually is yeah yeah of course it's not and, and you you think even that do that now i think yeah yeah for sure but definitely more intensely as a 10 year old like you know you, you would think that the adult teacher in her 40s cares as much as you do about the situation but obviously she doesn't she's an adult with a husband you know <laughs> i said at least the story was definitely weaker but that's a good thing as it was a subplot I did say that I felt that she could have done with learning a lesson at the end. As in, the whole thing is that she falsified the documentary and made it look like the squid died just to win the award. We don't get a thing of her learning her lesson at the end and, be, and admitting no, to people what she did. It. She totally yeah. got away with it, yeah. That's my only like major criticism is just like, I felt like she didn't learn anything. No. You know, no one found out she was hiding the squid. No. You know. That's I, what, like, yeah, Lisa was actually quite bad. Yeah, she was worse than Barrett, really, when you think about yeah. it. I mean, Barrett was a brat, but, like, it all came from, like, his own insecurities, like, stuff that he understood. Whereas Lisa was kind of just being selfish, and, you know, yeah. <laughs> We've seen some bad I sides of Lisa this season. I would love to season. see a Lisa villain arc. I Lisa think she villain, could actually eh? be such a good villain. Yeah, there's some episodes. I mean, maybe not a proper villain, but there's some episodes where she's a little bit more spiteful than others. There's a great episode, I think it's in the 6th season, maybe the 17th season. It's called On a Clear Day, I Can't See My Sister. It's the one where she, she gets a restraining order against Barrett. Okay. She's so... I remember when that episode came out, I was I been quite young. I hated Lisa in the episode. And I still do, but it makes for a good story. She gets a restraining order against Barrett, so he can't stay in the house. So he has to move outside. And he like, starts to learn to like live in wilderness and stuff. But she is horrible in that episode. So we do see stuff like that to her. But yeah, it becomes a, a proper millionaire. Because you know she has it in her. To, yeah, exactly. To be worse, Yeah. Uh, well, my final notes was just I thought Kerry Washington, like I said, was stellar as as Rachel Payton. I thought she was a welcome addition addition to the show that's different from Edna and can continue that story thread with something new to offer. I said she has big boosts to fill, but I found the character instantly likable. I really like it. Was huge, like one of the biggest characters in the show. I would say Edna yeah, yeah, yeah. in the first twenty four, twenty five years, however long it was before the actress died, and like I really like Payton immediately. I can see her. Being a very solid replacement. Yeah, great episode. Alright, jumping into the news. Pre-recorded from London City, it's a very bad impression of Kent Brockman letting you know it's time for Simpsons News. There really wasn't much news this week. Uh, I had to... Uh, The news. Some sort of, like, monstrous voice saying, the news. Oh, yeah, you think? Yeah. I mean, I had, like, me doing a Kent Brockman impression. You've, ne- you've never listened to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. You want me you to change it? Up, the news. I mean, that's true. I have been doing that intro for nearly two years now. Actually, two years, yeah. That is that is a good point. But anyway, only one piece of news this week. I, <laughs> I was just wondering if you sound like you didn't know I had an intro. But uh, just one piece. It wasn't even really new. I just had to find something, so... Uh, the, the the show was ranked number 15 on IMDb's list of the top 30 best sitcoms of all time. I thought it was pretty cool. It, it only lost out to, as well as say, like the, the top 14. It only lost out to number 14, The Thick of It. 13, Marvelous Miss Maisel. 12, Arrested Development. 11, South Park. 10, Freaks and Geeks. 9, Ted Lasso. 8, Faulty Towers. 7, Curb Your Enthusiasm. 6, Bojack Horseman. Five is always sunny in Philadelphia. Four Seinfeld. Three Friends. Two the U.S. Office, and number one Rick and Morty. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I prefer Simpsons to all of them, and that wouldn't. I I'd move that around quite significantly. But yeah. look, that's the vote. 
I will also point out that it beat iconic sitcoms such as Past Recreation, Father Ted, which is right below it at 16. I was happy to see an Irish sitcom. I, mean, a lot of I didn't this expect is probably it. based off like the, the user ratings. Yeah, 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 and a lot of people will just hate on The Simpsons now. But... Yeah, people are probably jumping in being like, yeah. one star because it's not as good as it used to be. Yeah. But they're not actually watching it, <laughs> I'm sure. But yeah, Fire Tail was number 16, which I was like surprised and happy to see an Irish sitcom on that list. I didn't expect mm. it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Plenty of British sitcoms anyway. <laughs> also, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the UK office, and the IT crowd were all on that list, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was that was the only piece of news. Moving on to impressiones. As usual, impressiones. Uh, <laughs> as usual, uh, there's no character in this episode I haven't already done an impression of, uh, as in characters that I could do an impression of. So I, I went for Ralph, who I I think you you wait. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is it? There's no character you, you, gonna you say? can't do an impression of. No, it's that there's there's no character in this episode that I haven't already done an impression of that, that I can do an impression of. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> well, I think you can't, Brockman, do an impression of anymore. It's that I can do a decent impression. <laughs> I don't know what I was going. Are with you that. telling me I can do a decent impression of Kent Brockman? I, 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 do Kent Brockman. I'm live from Springfield. It's Smartline. Well, I was, I was That's looking one of my better like voices. There was, a, there was a camera there. <laughs> I can do Harry Shear's characters the best, I think. That's I, good. I think maybe my range is somewhere similar to his. Like I, I can do a pretty decent way on Smithers. You know, I think yeah. I think my my range is, is close enough to his. But anyway, I, I went for Ralph. Who surprisingly nice. has no lines in this episode, despite the fact that it's all set in the school. But I guess it's more so parts classroom. I think Ralph's one of my favourite characters. I love Ralph so much, yeah. yeah I love Ralph. But I love Ralph and Chief Wiggum. What a great duo. But yeah, so four quotes, and as usual, one of them isn't Ralph. So number one, This is my sandbox. I'm not allowed to get in the deep end. Number two, If Mommy's purse didn't belong in the microwave, why did it fit? Number three, Me fail English? That's impossible. And number four, um, English? Who needs it? I'm never going to England. It sounds more like Elmo. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like Ralph, it's a, Elmo! Um, the one where English, who needs it? Damn it, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was Homer. That could be anyone. <laughs> I mean, that's could true. could be Bart. I mean, yeah, most, most Simpsons characters <laughs> are idiots. <laughs> I think it's like, who isn't an idiot in the show? Like, Marriage isn't, Lisa isn't. Professor Frank isn't, like, guess, but he still says stupid things sometimes. Yeah. Same with Dr. Hibbert. It's just the women, really, who aren't, who aren't complete buffoons. Are there, like, any intelligent... I guess Smithers is pretty smart. He doesn't, yeah. really, doesn't really say stupid things. He's pretty competent. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, obviously, it's a comedy show, so the, you want the characters to be stupid. Yeah. So it makes sense. There's very few, like, genuine, intelligent people in Springfield. But, yeah, moving on to Seb's Classics. Insert jingle. Um... <laughs> Everyone's favorite, it's Seb's classic. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Maybe, um, I'll, maybe I'll use that in future. Everyone's favorite, it's Seb's classic. So on the theme of Bart. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Actually, true. Yeah, two Bart-focused episodes. Um, I went for Bart the Fink, season seven. Absolutely terrific episode. Love it. If I'm being honest, it's one of my... Better. Like, it's one of the episodes where, like, I can appreciate that it's probably not in, like, the top ten episodes of all time. No, it wouldn't this, be, no. For me, though, it's one of my personal favorites. Really, I wow. just I remember this was one that I watched a lot 
um, on really? the videos I had back yeah. in the day, which I mentioned. So that makes it like super nostalgic. So for it's you. a bit personal to me. Yeah, I get and that. Obviously, when I was at that age as well, I loved Bart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and so recently rewatched it because of this episode, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I thought, yeah, all right, I'll do a Bart one again. Sure. Um, and just absolutely loved it. I think it's, great. it's so funny. Yeah. There's so many funny moments. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's great crusty moments. I love crusty and, so and, much. And also, yeah, it's it's mainly based around crusty. Of course. It did that classic thing again of where, like, the main plot with crusty wasn't really revealed till like, at least five minutes in. Oh, it's so episode. well written in that way, too. <laughs> yeah, the way it reveals it. But yeah, yeah, you get, like, maybe ten plus minutes of Bart just... Yeah. So what happens is... Oh, yeah, so it, it starts off with... Homer's aunt passed away and he's getting her inheritance and he's like oh yes this is so funny yeah and the guy like telling him about it is like what you call this like an undertaker or something he's telling him about it it's like the only way you can get the inheritance is if you spend one night in a haunted house and they go to the haunted house it looks really frightening yeah. and Homer's like and cuts, uh, cuts, there's no such thing as monsters and it just cuts to daylight and they come out like they've just woken up like yeah Whoa. you're expecting yeah. to get like a crazy story of them yeah. in a haunted house it's like you don't see any of it and they actually well, had a perfectly fine yeah, night this to be the episode yeah yeah, yeah exactly like, oh no not at all <laughs> yeah and they come out and, and, and then the guy's like well, that's one hundred dollars for you. It's just like one hundred dollars each. It's like, and she gave the rest of her inheritance to Anne Landers, like you said in her will. It's like, oh, I didn't mention that. Well, maybe if you didn't leave while I was still talking. <laughs> no, it was. Um, it was so uh, silly. Oh, was I talking? Sorry, after yeah, yeah. You left. I tend to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's like a little evil laugh as he walks away. But they're all like content with a hundred dollars. They're all delighted. Yeah. yeah. Barrett wants to spend it. At least he wants to spend it on broadcast television, which felt a little off character. It was funny. And Barrett wants to spend it on one taco, a hundred tacos for a hundred dollars. <laughs> so he wants to spend it. And he goes. He wants to go in. Marge is like, "No, we're going to the bank. You're putting the money into the bank." And one of my favorite little quotes is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Combo guy coming out with a wheelbarrow, like, yeah, this would be sufficient sustenance for my Doctor Who marathon. <laughs> <It's> so good. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, uh. But yeah, basically, Bart finds out at the bank what checks are, and he doesn't quite understand how they work, so he just thinks if he signs them with an amount of money and gives them to someone that they can just claim that money. And as a young kid, that made me think that was how checks worked. I was like, why are my parents doing this? Yeah. <laughs> with that Combo guy bit as well, like, I feel like if you were watching like a, a proper doctor who fan yeah in that period of time mm-hmm. like in the like when did season seven come out it would have been like 96 so it's before the new doctor who's that's true would it have been, would it have been that, that that gap when there was no doctor who yeah it was the gap so yeah like been, after Tom the Baker. old doctor who's yeah it would have been crazy that's true that's, so that's a gigantic you, you marathon. have to be a massive nerd to like be not only american yeah but an American watching the old Doctor Who. That's How true. How do you even get your hands on That's it true, time? because back then there was no streaming. How no. the hell was Combo Guy getting this freaking footage? Like, a very, like, British, like, sci-fi show. That's yeah. Not, that's not that popular in America. There was probably, what, like, 600-plus episodes of the original yeah, series? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. a lot. Because it was, like, the 60s up until the early 90s, I think, and then they stopped for close to a decade, and then Russell D. Davis brought it back. But yeah, that would have been quite a marathon. There's a proper nerd right there. There are probably plenty of people who saw that joke being like, I don't know what Doctor Who yeah, is. Yeah, Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. But uh, yeah, just, yeah, it's a great story. Basically, Barrett wants to get Krusty's, Krusty's autograph, so he puts, like, the check into his pocket, and he, he gets a check back and tries to claim it, and basically find out 
through the way, Paris. The way they reveal it is so good, though. Brilliant, the yeah. Phone calls and yeah, it's going to different parts of the world, and it cuts to like a guys in, in the Cayman Islands being like, "Oh, I'm not allowed to indulge you in my customers' illegal activities," and they hang up and say, like, "Oh, I probably shouldn't have called them a customer, or said it was illegal." Oh, it's too hot here. Yeah. <laughs> he just goes back to shading himself. <laughs> but yeah, basically, Grusty commits taxation yeah. fraud, and uh, for the first time watching this episode, that I really understand it properly. It's uh, not that it mattered to me as a kid that I didn't understand it, obviously. I just liked Krusty and Bart, but now I actually know exactly like how bad what he yeah. did was. He's literally, he had a Swiss bank account and he's throwing away, keeping so much money he's supposed to be paying to the government and stuff. And yeah, obviously Krusty goes broke. Yeah. And then... Love the bit where he goes home and they're auctioning off his yeah. all of his stuff. And he has like a stash of pornography and Jasper's like, 10 cents. And the other guy's like, 11 cents. And, and the guy's like, I got 11 going here, 11, 11 here, here, here. And no one says anything. And he sells all of his, like, mountains of porn yeah. for 11 cents. And Jasper's like, oh, if I knew there was porn, I would have brought more money. <laughs> oh, yeah, a dime. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then Mo buys his bed for <laughs> one of my favorite random little bits. Yeah, this is good. For half a dollar. And they sell it. And he just walks away. He's like, good night, everybody. Good <laughs> night, Mo. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah it's just joke after joke it's so funny yeah Krusty actually goes broke and then there's a plane crash where Krusty's is death plane, of course yeah everyone thinks Krusty's dead and mm. then Bart and Bart starts noticing Krusty everyone thinks he's crazy of course and then Bart and Lisa go to confront Krusty In the boat. another yeah, very great funny bit sequence. is when they show the oh, sailor so guy funny, what's yeah. the sailor guy's name the sea captain the sea captain yeah a picture of Krusty and he's like oh that's uh, handsome Pete <laughs> yeah or stinky Pete I think no, I think it was Hansen Pete, actually, yeah. And, then it, and it's just this random, like, little small guy that, <laughs> yeah. that looks exactly like Krusty, but smaller. Like a ward version of Krusty's yeah. face, yeah. And he's just playing the harmonica. And they give him another dollar, and he starts dancing again. And the captain's like, oh, no, not a dollar. He'll be dancing for hours. <laughs> and, um, yeah, they confront the guy. The sequence, yeah, where they yeah. confront Krusty, and he's pretending to be a sailor. And he has a different voice. Dankus Leonard is sensational in that scene. Yeah, you really I mean, you, you you would think for a second maybe it's not Krusty. You know, and he's like, what was his name? Rory B. Bellows is like, uh, Rory B. Bellows has about Krusty the Clown. He's like, I don't do impressions, kid. <laughs> and that whole scene is the dialogue is just yeah, the fact that there. How well he does such a good job of like making it sound like Krusty, but like Krusty's doing another voice. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. Yeah, what a sensational he has. Exactly, what a sensational um, voice actor. Because obviously Krusty wouldn't be as good a voice actor as he is. Yeah. So it has to be a little bit like okay, he's hiding his voice, but he's still not a voice actor. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, obviously they find out it's Krusty. Yeah. And they start guilt tripping him into. Coming back into the show. That sequence is great, yeah. He's like going away on his boat, and Lisa and Bart are boat walking. Also, it was, it was a thing in the early seasons that, like, whenever there was something happening they were suspicious about, it would always be like Bart and Lisa teaming up and investigating it together. I always loved that dynamic. They don't really yeah. do it anymore. I always loved that dynamic. But the two of them are walking together, and they're like, oh, I guess Crystal's had to find friends by being himself, not just make friends because people know who he is. And he's like, ah, I'm sure I can find friends. And like, don't you want to be. Don't you want to be more appreciated, even though you're an illiterate clown, than like genius scientists who are changing the world? And then he throws his anchor in, like that's the thing that wins him over. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want those stupid scientists getting any, any attention. And then he comes back. And so good, he jumps into the water. So like, he, he doesn't have his usual face, obviously. He's like, has a big black beard, black hair. And he has like, his regular yellow skin. And he jumps into the water, he's swimming in, back to the shore. 
we see like yellow paint coming off and it's just like his his classic clown face comes off so it's like that's just his real skin and he takes off his yellow nose and you see his red nose because that's just his real it's nose real, yeah and that's a confirmation because <laughs> i think people often ask a lot if like crusty is his makeup or if he's, uh, yeah, yeah he, that's him that, that yeah that, that jo- I think this, might, this might be the first time that joke has been made a lot since then that that's just his real skin he also takes off a ball cap so it's like that's his real hair also <laughs> and yeah they, then they walk away and apparently sir like like uh, how the hell? Like, what about like your your tax problem and everything? And he's like, "Oh, don't worry, Rory B. Bellows was surprisingly insured." And then the boat just explodes. <laughs> it's just like I love the ending of like he gets to get away what he did by doing what he did again. Yeah, <laughs> I love that so much as a, as a way of wrapping up the story in like a flawed way, but it's just so crusty that you, you don't mind it. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah we. Uh, Covering pretty much a whole block I mean, there. That really happens. Honestly, it's just such a well-written episode. It, for me, I mean, for personal reasons, it's yeah, it's nostalgic it, for it's you. It's in my top ten episodes. Really? Well, I just you know when an episode like even it though hits. it's not even though this is um like it's it's a great episode and yeah. people think of it that they mm-hmm. think it is one of the greatest. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's the other episode that pops up and it just for, for it has some a reason, special personal place for yeah, you. It just, yeah, it hits different for you for sure. And it's the thing I said as well that. You like it so much, but it's not an episode that's held in a high regard by yeah. other people, so you really feel like it's your episode. You know, I, so, I totally get that. So it's a it's, 10 for me. It's 10 out of 10. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair enough. I, I give it a 9.5. I think it's really good. I wouldn't... It, it wouldn't have that same personal thing for me, but I still really like it. I remember... I, I really remember seeing it for, for the first time as a kid, and because the show is so committed that when they kill a character off, they do stay dead, I saw Krusty was it. I was so upset. I remember being so upset and then so happy when it was just a little plot point and he's, he's actually alive. But, yeah, I give 9 5. I think it's a really solid episode. I think it's so well written. Again, this is the season where Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein are just trying out new things and this is a solid example of that. They literally just went, what a crusty did something that a lot of celebrities do yeah. that, that's like pretty unforgivable and committed taxation fraud. And how do we do that in a way that still makes them likable? You know, the, the, they're clearly presenting all these challenges for themselves because they, they like to like put themselves into a corner. That was like their whole thing. Like, puts us into a corner and how do we get out of this which is such a cool writing device and you can see that in this episode and they do a brilliant job of you still like him and he comes out of it in a way that's still flawed but you get it you know yeah yeah no really really wonderful episode continuing on with what's the quivia Trivia, baby, everyone's favorite. As always, we have two pieces of trivia and then the quiz. Ten questions. So, yeah, just two pieces. Comic book guy's real name is Jeff Albertson. I was going to put that into the quiz, but I realized he probably doesn't know that. He definitely doesn't know that. That's not fair. It's mentioned in the show once. So here's a trivia for you instead. And the second piece of trivia is Homer's voice actor, Dan Casalanetta, created the catchphrase Doe. It was originally written as Annoyed Grunt, and he just ripped from there. And the catchphrase was inspired by Laurel and Hardy. I'm not sure which one. One of them used to always go, inspired by that catchphrase. I just love that the, the, the little personal touch to it that the voice actor created. The most iconic catchphrase in the whole show. But yeah, moving on to the quiz, as always. Ten questions. And the score to still... Can I answer one already? Sure. Android's Dungeon. Nah. <laughs> no sorry <laughs> but fair play maybe I'll throw it in for you to be nice in a future one but yeah as always 10 questions so it might be nice to give you an immediate point for getting the Android dungeon I think I will fuck hey, it one you. point before you even started hey because I, nice, I learned a nice little head start yeah exactly you're listening <laughs> so number one 
which pet did the family have first? Tesla Helper or Snowball? Snowball. Yeah, yeah, very good. Number two, in what season did Lisa become vegetarian? Um, four? Nah. Two? Nah. One more guess. Yeah, am, am I close? Not really. It's, it's a one digit season. Eight. Seven. Oh, I was going to say seven. <laughs> Number three, how many kids does Apu have? Oh, six. Eight. Da, da, da. Number four, who is the only character on the show to ever have five fingers on each hand? Um, let's think. Mr. Burns. Nah. Okay, one more guess. You probably won't get uh, it. <laughs> Homer's nemesis. Frank Ryan. No. <laughs> it was God. Uh, had five fingers in his hand. Number five. Front, front cover of this season's DVD. Of season seven? Season 33. Oh, really? God. It's God. He's like pointing at the... Oh, that's cool. I love that. I didn't know that. That's cool. Number five. What's the name of Burns' teddy bear? Uh, Bobo. Bobo. Very good. Yeah. yeah. See, he's learning, guys. Yeah. Bobo. No, my Bobo. Number six. In what century did Jebediah Springfield find Springfield? 17th. Yeah. Yeah, very good. That was a complete guess. That was pretty quick, yeah. Yeah, you just it went was, for it. It was an educated guess, but it was, yeah. Yeah, true. That would have been the period where people were discovering shiz. <laughs> Number seven. Where do the Simpsons relocate to after escaping the dome in the Simpsons movie? Oh, I can't remember. Is it... I really thought you would have gotten it. I can't remember. I haven't watched it in so long. Hmm. Boston. Oh, sorry. No, I know. Alaska. Hey, yeah. he did I don't forget that. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alaska. Yes, number eight. Only one of these famous chefs have featured on the show. Can you tell me which one? Jamie Oliver, Gordon Ramsay, or Anthony Bourdain? Um, Anthony Bourdain. Jamie Oliver, isn't it? Nah. <laughs> Gordon Ramsay, yeah. What? I definitely can't I give you that point. That. <laughs> Imagine if I gave you that point. What season's that in? Oh, it's a much later season. Like 22, 23? Okay. Good episode, though. It's called The Food Wife. Marriage, Barton needs to do a food blog together. Very good one. Imagine. Uh, Jamie Oliver? No. Anthony Bourdain? No. Oh, Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you that point. You know what we found out recently, Anthony Bourdain's dead? I never knew that. He's dead? Yeah, do you not know that either? He's dead. He's been dead for a while, 2016. He killed himself. Why did he kill not himself? Not a fun fact. I don't know. He was depressed, I guess. It's not... Oh. Yeah. I've, I've watched, like, so many of his videos. I know, me I too. That's really cool. Yeah, I thought he was a really, really cool guy. Great. Yeah, great personality for TV. I just looked him up on Wikipedia one day, and the man's dead. Yeah, I know. That's so sad. It's not a fun fact for you, but there you go. He is sure. dead. For, he's been dead for quite a while, yeah. Well, that's quivy, I'm afraid, bro. I, I guess so. Fucking yeah, hell. Some's good, some's bad. Not even Simpsons related, but yeah. <laughs> What is the next one? Um, number nine. Who did marriage go to prom with? <laughs> Let me think. Obviously, it's come up before. Yes. Can't remember. Nah. Not even a hazard, I guess. No. Okay. Artie Ziff. Oh, yeah. And the final question. What is the name of Lisa's favorite musician? Um, who we covered in last week's episode. I was going to say Morrissey for a second. <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't even Quillaby, who was uh, that guy's name. Yeah, Quillaby. Um, oh, 
forgot what's his name. I mean, you know me, I'm just terrible with names. We literally just reviewed this episode. Last week, I'm like, yeah. I'm being mean. Um, honestly, I can't believe I don't remember. Not even like a, a hint of <laughs> the uh, character's name. Bleeding Gums Murphy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. You just found it. How the hell did that happen? It just came to my head. You were so like, I don't know it. It just came to my head. I was thinking, wait, gums. So you did the gums. Ah, yeah. Okay, very good. You got it. Nice. Yeah, so I mean, you didn't beat your score, but you also didn't get below it. You got the exact same. That's 6 out of 10. <laughs> that's, that's, you know what? That's good enough. It's better than the past few weeks. So yeah, exactly. I'm on a, I'm on a ladder again. Yeah, because I actually wasn't even being easy in, on this. I gave a couple of new ones there. So yeah, no, very good. 6 out of 10. And wrapping it all up with the recommendation of the week. Yeah. I like that we did rock paper, sc- yeah. rock, paper, scissors last week. You want to do it again? Yeah. All right. Rock, paper, scissors. It's me again, guys. I actually have two recommendations this week. I was only just going to do one. <laughs> I was only going to do one, but I was like, I really feel passionate about these two things right now. I don't want to like save one for next week where maybe I'm not as into it. You know, so I'm going to say two. The first is Graeme Norton's first novel, Holding. Just finished reading it last week, and it is sensational. Far better than anyone would expect. I mean, his his novels have been selling very well, so people obviously know that he's a good writer, but I just didn't go on expecting a huge amount. But my God, it was just fantastic. You, as a simple setup, it's set in a very small little Irish village called Deneen, and the, the, there's we follow this, this very overweight police officer named Sergeant PJ Collins, Genuinely one of my favorite characters I've ever fictional characters I've ever read in the book before. Just, you get such an idea of who he is, and he's such a great everyman. He's so flawed. Basically, they they find the body out in a place where builders are doing work, and the whole the whole episode, the whole book is him trying to find out how did a body just randomly get discovered in this very small oh, quaint little village holding? where nothing happens. It's not him holding, it's the whole ha- the whole town is holding something. It's so good. There's other characters in it as well, and you, by the end of the book, you love all of them and all of their flaws. It is fantastic. It is just such a grounded, very story, very character-driven story, and it's just wonderful. He has three other novels as well that I'm looking forward to reading soon. It's just He just really has a way of giving you a location and a setting and characters and stuff and just taking you in there and... It was, just, it was just a really, really wonderful read. Yeah, he's an amazing writer, and I can't wait to read his other stuff. Do you want to say your one, or let you jump into my second one? Um, yeah, I'll do my one. Yeah, sure. So, I went for... I can't remember the name of it exactly, but it's on Vice. Some of the old... Vice? I mean, some of the Vice... What is Vice? Vice, the YouTube channel. They do, like, documentaries and stuff. Oh, sorry, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I didn't know they had a YouTube channel. Some of yeah. the stuff they used to do, it's incredible. They've yeah. gone so downhill now, but okay. they still release the old bit of gold. Here, um, documentary. If you search Chad Musker Vice, uh-huh. you'll find it. Chad Musker is an ex skateboarder. Okay. And I watched this documentary the other day because it's about the story of him being homeless and becoming a professional skateboarder from being homeless. Oh, wow. Okay. And it's incredible because he's such a. Jeez. He's one of those people that just does everything and whenever they do it, it's just great. Like, one of those jerks. Just yeah, <laughs> anything he does, he's so good anything being he touches is gold. <laughs> um, yeah, anything he touches is gold. He probably could have used with that. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, I'm sorry. Yeah, he, he was a pro skateboarder and he does art now. He's made music. Wow, but it's just what about legend. him That's and so his young life and how like 
absolutely crazy it was and he ended up homeless and then Jeez. he just went literally to one of like the most um popular skateboarders of all time ended up on tony hawk games wow uh, he he was going out of paris hilton Jeez. Time. Jesus, okay. Yeah, so he was there in Hollywood, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, which, which is obviously after him rising to fame as a skateboarder. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he, he just. Now, oh, he's, yeah. So he's been the public eye for a while then. Yeah. I assume this is more recently. Nowadays, he's he's just chill, you know, doing his art and stuff. But wow, that's it's, so it's really interesting. I love yeah, that. It's a very inspiring documentary. Yeah. I love those kind of like, uh, what do you call it, you know, from a very rough place up to like, you yeah. know. To, to, to as high up as you can possibly be I always love those yeah. stories they really inspire me like so that's nice I, I like to watch it you don't know the name but if you look up Ch- Vice Vice Chad Musker Chad Musker is his name M-U-S-K-E-R K-A K-A-R um, okay but obviously if you just search Vice skateboarding documentary you'll see it it's, yeah it's, true it's called something along the lines of like from homeless to skateboarding icon, or yeah, from rags to riches. Something like that, that was the, yeah. the, the 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 phrase I was trying to think of earlier. I, I love those from rags to riches do, stories. Yeah. So inspiring, yeah, and that's that sounds like a wonderful one. Yeah, I definitely have to check that out. Yeah, and to wrap it up, my final recommendation is I'm going to go for Bros, which I love so much. For people who don't know what it is, and a lot of people probably don't, it's not doing that well, unfortunately. That's why I want to recommend it is um it is a romantic comedy written and starring billy eichner amazing comedian who i used to be obsessed with on the show called uh billy on the street and comedy essentially so funny on that and uh it's 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 the first ever gay rom-com he's the first ever gay actor to play a gay lead in a movie and it's just it's really really funny but also has a wonderful message it's never heavy-handed or like you know preachy and it clearly sees its own responsibility as it being the first ever LGBT, LGBTQ romantic comedy, but it doesn't seem to feel any pressure in that responsibility, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's so funny, and it, it, it was so nice. I went to a, a sold-out screening in Islington, and everyone was just laughing so much. It was just, oh my God, I miss that experience in the cinema. You don't get it that much anymore. Were you sitting next to someone? Major, the only seat that wasn't. So this, this cinema I'm talking about is like two two seats each basically the only seat that wasn't occupied with a human was you the one inside me i didn't have a bro no <laughs> um, i was very content with not having yeah, a bro i guess we'll avoid the obvious controversies about it what's that all the stuff that's happened about it i just said it's the first ever gay rom-com oh you mean no, the thing about him tweeting yeah, uh, yeah i'm on his side there okay so basically he put up a tweet being like he, that he went to a sold out show in los angeles of bros and it was just so wonderful and captivating to see an audience just laughing throughout the whole movie and basically said if, if you're if you're not a homophobic bigot to go check out this movie and yeah. those people were responding being like i don't think turning people against you is going to make them see your movie the, the, the like, problem, they wouldn't see the movie anyway yeah, and, and also great i'm turning homophobes against me yeah exactly that's why they, they, they were against yeah, me anyway them. yeah exactly they weren't going <laughs> yeah. to see it anyway it's people guys. that it got passed down the line to people thinking he was just saying Oh, if you're not gay, you can't watch the film. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happens through the grapevine. The phrasing, what he said, change. Yeah. And I, I was hearing things from people that was making me kind of be like, I need to read what he actually but said. The, the and I agree what he said. It's online, you can find. Yeah, it. you can look at the tweet. Exactly, yeah. he didn't delete it. And I'm on his side, and yeah, it's not getting the respect it deserves. Firstly, I think it deserves respect because of the big thing of it being the first ever gay rom com. But secondly, just because it's a good, really funny comedy that we don't get those anymore. Like they very rarely happen that these big comedies get theatrical releases. It's always straight to Netflix or 
a different streaming service now yeah and it's just so wonderful seeing a really funny movie in cinema again i just i really miss i do it. miss the rom-coms yeah, yeah me they, too they, man they obviously don't come about often now they don't come about as often even when they do they're good but they're missing a little something Th- yeah. this hits all the beats really well while still doing something different like tickets to paradise was fun but it was so predictable predictable and typical like yeah this yeah. one wasn't it kept you guessing you weren't 100 certain what's going, what was going to happen it had a bit more humanity to it where you were kind of like maybe they won't end up together i actually don't know where this is going you know um it's just a it's a really really funny movie you want a good comedy and i'm on his side if you're not a homophobic bigot go check out this movie it is so worth your time yeah yeah that, that concludes Great. all i have to say about all the things i recommend watch it all watch octopus teacher and the chad musker documentary and read holding and watch back to think and listen we're to giving you the same have a good content podcast but if you're listening right now you're already listening so it's kind of like preaching to the converse well, listen to the other episodes listen to the other ones yeah this is your first one listen to others we have loads of fun ones and uh we like to show you guys a good time <laughs> <laughs> i'll just leave you on that note guys see you all soon ciao bye